0: Attention Cannabis Radio listeners, do you suffer from chronic pain, anxiety, depression, or PTSD? These are the most common qualifying conditions for medical cannabis. Did you know that in many states you can visit a doctor online with no waiting rooms, no drive, not even an appointment needed? See a doctor right from your smartphone. It's fast, convenient, and it'll save you money as most states don't collect taxes on medical cannabis purchases. So what are you waiting for? Go to MarijuanaDoctors.com slash Cannabis Radio and get $5 off your on-demand medical card evaluation.
1: It's time to check in with Doc Rob and the Concierge for Better Living. We take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. The Concierge for Better Living will help informed, intrigued, and interested listeners like you make better choices for yourselves and your loved ones. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents the Concierge for Better Living with your host,
2: Doc Rob. Hello and good day. This is Doctor Rob Streisfeld. Doc Rob, your concierge to better living here on CannabisRadio.com and all over the internet, wherever you can find us. And thank you for tuning in. Another great show for you coming up. Uh, you know, just another day. We're constantly moving forward in this uh, wellness movement. This kind of re- re- really new receptiveness to plant medicines. And it's really exciting for me, obviously being a naturopathic doctor and doing plant medicine and plant-based food for so many years and looked upon for quite some time as a, a little bit of a quack or weirdo because I was into that. Now is becoming mainstream. I'm so excited that more and more people are adopting this. And, you know, there's always things that we're learning. There's always ways things are evolving. Things are shifting and changing. And, you know, for right now the cannabis industry while it's had some great resurgence over the last decade or so is always changing. And I'm all about innovation. And that's something that I've said when I, you know, just signed a new partnership, innovating new products or looking for new innovative ingredients or delivery systems. But when it comes to cannabis, one of the best places to start with innovation is the plant itself. And when we talk about that, we talk about plant genetics. So it's really exciting today to have our guest, uh, Dr. Reggie Guadino, the Vice President of Research and Development for Frontline uh, Bioscientists, uh, Front Range Bioscientists, I'm sorry. Um, I keep thinking frontline because you know they're really in the front line of innovation when it comes to genetic research. So, Dr. Reggie, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us and you know coming on the show and, and sharing some insight. Thank you for
0: having me. It's uh, nice to be here.
2: Well, it's definitely my pleasure. We talked about, I was just reading an article about hemp in New York. Being, uh, you know, hit with certain bugs and having grow issues. Uh, people in Arizona with their new hemp projects failing. Uh, Florida mold and humidity affecting growing. And so we have, you know, this plant which we say grows like weed, but um, we know that it doesn't always grow the same in different in, in different environments. And also, I'm sure you can attest. And looking forward to discussing different compounds, different uh, active ingredients or focus ingredients can be really. You know, identified and supported through this genetic breeding. So uh, that's really what you do, right? I mean, give us a little background yep. about what your role is with Front Range Biosciences.
0: So um, at Front Range, what I do is I, I direct the entire R and D team, and I also uh, kind of direct all the intellectual property that comes out of out of that R and D. Um, and and basically, what we're focused on is is you know ex- you know directly what you said, right? So you have a lot of people who think that. Cannabis can be grown anywhere, and it can, right? It's a very, it's a very uh, adaptive plant. It's a very adaptive species. It's the only plant um, that actually has is found everywhere humans are found, right? So, um, it, and you can't say that about a lot of plants. You look at citrus plants, and they have a very distinct climate. You have to look at some other plants, and they have very distinct climates or or environments they, that they need. Uh, cannabis is is a colonizer, right? It can it can basically grow just about anywhere. But the problem is, is that not every cannabis can do that, right? So, what ends up happening over evolution is that you have various varieties that have been acclimated to a certain region, and the genetics are optimized for that region, right? Now, what's interesting about cannabis is that you know some of these optimized varieties in different places give us really unique combinations of of terpenes or, or cannabinoids and, and other compounds, right? And so we want to put them everywhere because we want that particular variety for whatever it's carrying but once we take it out of its native, native environment two things happen a it may not grow well and b it may not produce the same compounds in that new environment that it did in the original environment right so so there's a lot of work that we that we're doing and and, and we're looking into exactly you know the genetics what causes differences in expression how environment plays into that uh, it's, a, it's a very complicated system. Right. And, and, you know, while cannabis is a weed and it can grow everywhere, not all cannabis will grow well everywhere. Now,
2: yeah, this is really key. And that's why I tell people, listen, I am a all about grow your own rights and the sense that people should be able to grow a few plants for their own use. But when we talk about industry, commercialization, scaling up, uh, creating medicines and having consistency, um, Just even consistency with farmers and their crops. It's just something that this is where that cannabis breeding, the R&D, the genetics understanding of the plant really comes into play. And, you know, just to give you a little shout out, you were just uh, uh, named among the most influential innovators in cannabis breeding again for a second year in a row. So congratulations to that. And I think it's really important, you know, again, for us all to be you know, appreciating what nature offered, but also realizing ways we can kind of enhance it for certain functions or benefits or applications.
0: absolutely, right. so and that's that's what excites me the most about cannabis, right? So is that um it it does have so many more attributes than most normal plants right if you If you look at you know we we talk about it it's it's the plant of a thousand and one molecules, right? you know. You know that this was the colloquial kind of you know joke back in the day but it's it's probably close to being true right we know that there are at least 120 just cannabinoids right so um we've uh so through some of our research we found uh, you know all the terpene genes and and you know on any given day any any cannabis plant will have 50 60 70 terpene genes uh, but when you look at the expression of those terpenes, right? So, like, if you look at the final flower, you don't see seventy terpenes in the final flower, right? So, so the question that becomes is, is what do all these things do? Why? What are they used for, right? How do they benefit the plant? And from there, right, we can start to understand through other types of research, you know, how those compounds affect humans, right? So, um, and it's, and it's one of the things that I, that I say often is, is we have to remember, right? The plant did not evolve these compounds for us, right? The plant evolved these compounds and, and the plethora of combinations, right? So that it could, it could adapt to whatever environment that it was, it was found itself in, right? Because plants can't get up and walk away from a bad environment, right? So they have to find a way to adapt cannabis is, is extremely plastic and so it has a lot of tools that it can do that um and, and it just so happens that th- some of the tools terpenes which are you know are help prevent mold and mildew right terpenes that either attract insects or repel insects right so um, those are all responses to the environment so that it can acclimatize itself better and 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 compete better in its environment right? Now. Because of the way those compounds work in insects and and other things, right, it just so happens that those compounds have a biological effect on humans as well. And and we have kind of co-opted that into our own wellness program for, for, you know, um, but ultimately that's not why the plant developed those compounds.
2: Of course, even though we have that endocannabinoid system to receive right. these compounds, uh, we refer, you know, a lot of conversation right now is referring to phytocannabinoids as the vitamins. They're basically vitamins in yep. the sense of just from a different source, um, which I love. But like you said, I mean, even early days, I, I, um, you know, I've i been in the hemp industry Uh, as an advocate in some form or fashion for quite some time, even when my dear friends, the Fata's from Manitoba Harvest, you know, in Canada, they were using and really focusing on a phenolist uh, variety. And everyone's like, what does that mean? I'm like, well, it's from Finland in that region, (laughs) that climate. And it was comparable or compatible with the Manitoba or the Canadian climate. And that's what they use that for. The same variety of hemp seed will not do as well or not maybe produce the same end results in south florida or jamaica and <laughs> that type right, of thing so exactly. and it's very simple in that regard and that was some you know agronomists and things from a basic standpoint and then of course we you know kind of move that along forward now that we have such more human interest um but at the same time uh you know the manipulation of these of this plant may or may not Long-term, be to our benefit. I, I always remember a, you know, we talk about Rick Simpson oil from a therapeutic approach, which pretty much is a one-to-one ratio um, of THC and CBD, and yet maybe nature initially offered that ratio, and now over years and years of breeding and and, and manipulation, now we have such variations in that in that ratio that we, you know, it, there's some opportunity there. There's also some concern because are we oh. mini, are we manipulating it outside its range of of, of purpose?
0: So that's a great point, right? So ironically, so a a Canadian group, I don't know if it was two or three years ago, actually showed what they did was they did some chemistry analysis on varieties that come from a a THC dominant background and varieties that came from a CBD dominant background. Uh, And and the end result of that chemical analysis was that the overbreeding for high THC has actually reduced the number of compounds That we see coming out of thc dominant varieties so we've already done that damage right so the the chase for high thc you know when we get those things that are measurably better and remember a lot of this was done by seat of the pants in the 60s and 70s right there wasn't any chemistry going on back then so basically we bred for what we could feel and in the process of breeding for those high thc varieties we've lost compounds right we're starting to see those compounds and some of these other varieties on the CBD dominance in the hemp variety, the, the as you mentioned, the hemp, the phenol is actually a, um, um, a fiber variety, right? So, right. Uh, And so, you know, there, there are a number of, of what we see other compounds and some of these other, you know, more pristine, um, you know, uh, germplasm, right, you know, the 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 less manipulated, the less bred for high THC, you know, the ones that were treated more like land races and, and allowed yeah. to interbreed and, you know, like the populations like Phenoma, Ph- uh, Phenola or or USO31. And it's ironic because a lot of these older fiber and grain varieties have been untouched, right? Like once they got them to a point, they left them. Yep. And, and now everybody just keeps growing finola over and over and over again, right? So, and so because of that, we can go back to some of these things and breed again and bring some of these missing compounds back to the RTHC varieties, right? But again, it's you know, it's a long process, right? So, you have to introgress, then you're going to get something that's going to look like crap because it's a it's finola crossed with something, right? And then you start to go back and do that breeding to bring back out the characteristics you want, and those characteristics now have to include. Us being cognizant of the fact that if we're not careful, we will lose important chemical compounds, many of which are medicinal. Right. So,
2: I, I um, so it's already
0: happened. So, so yeah. it's a good point that you bring up.
2: I love it. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunity here, but it's also when we get involved and we manipulate, there's also some concern for damage and yep. detriment. So I love that comment as well. We're going to take a quick break. This time goes so fast. We have such good information come from an intelligent, informed guest. So don't go anywhere. We got more with Dr. Reggie Guadino from Front Range Biosciences. Right after this quick break, this is Doc Rob, your concierge for better living here at CannabisRadio.com.
1: The concierge for better living will continue in a moment.
2: Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Sugis now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat.
1: Let's check back in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living. Only on cannabisradio.com.
2: All right. And we are back having a wonderful conversation with Dr. Reggie Guadino from French Front Range Biosciences. And we're talking about, you know, breeding and 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 changing certain variations and looking for different compounds. And this kind of leads me into my, you know, there are a lot of these compounds that were naturally occurring that may have been bred out, but now we're also seeing um you know, some other understanding of some of these more minor or less dominant cannabinoids outside of the uh, THC, Delta-9, and, and, and CBD varieties. We're seeing a lot more conversation around, you know, CBG, which, of course, is more of a, you know, a mother cannabinoid, um, and, of course, the, the variants, the THCV, which I know you've done some work on, which has some pretty good potential in, 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 human applications which i'm a big person a dietary supplement guy a natural products guy a holistic doctor like i always think about how can we use this to better our human health at the same time respect nature and the plant what are some of those things that you've got going on or how do you look at these individual compounds um and some of this you know functionality from isolating and or breeding for those compounds
0: so a, lo- a lot of our work actually starts from you know um basic scientific literature right so, so you know we do we do the chemistry in terms of the understanding uh, of what's in the plant, but but we're not equipped to actually do any of the scientific you know research on what those compounds do in humans. So I spend a lot of time reviewing any data that I can scientific you know um, and you know clinical trial data. <clears throat> um, I spent a, a fair bit of time in Israel. I have some contacts there, and so. I try to keep myself very involved in the medicinal aspect of cannabis research, and it's based on that information that I get there that we go back and we start to look for and breed for those compounds. Right, so a number of of compounds right now that are, are getting a lot of interest, as you said, the varins, THCv, CBDv. Um, you know, getting back to to cannabis as a as a phytochemical resource, right? So. The way we at Front Range think about the plant is that this is a phytochemical agricultural resource, right? So it's not we don't we're not here to make better bud to smoke, right? We're here to explore the plant and and to identify those compounds which were, were which are both economically and medicinally important, right? So, um, so our interest is in the in the in the, in the minor cannabinoids and CBC because you know CBC has been found to have uh, many of the same uh beneficial properties of CBD, anti-inflammatory, um, you know, analgesic, but it ha- seems to have, at least in some of the early work, a an efficacy that makes it three to five times more potent than CBD, right, which is phenomenal. Right. um you know so it's 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 work like that so thcv it's being investigated right now for parkinson's and for alzheimer's um it's been shown to be appetite suppressant it has it helps regulate blood sugar as well In some of the research that's been done so it's this kind of information that that kind of drives our investigation right so because you know we would like to be able to provide th- that material for clinical trials uh for for product development um and you know and it's very interesting because it all comes from an initial set of precursors that are shared through almost every compound that we find important in cannabis right so we start with these little five carbon molecules called isoprene and those isoprenes are put together to make cannabinoids terpenes flavonoids anthocyanins all of these compounds are medicinally important right so the flavonoids we know them as beta carotenoids uh you know other things like that which are are medicinally important we we get them from a lot of, from carrots and from other things right um the anthocyanins are what you know uh are what we are now calling the superfoods the, the antioxidants we get a lot of uh of anthocyanins from you know from uh purple red drinks or or, or fruit um used, you yeah, know
2: things like that right
0: right exactly right so uh, acai you know all the goji berries all that kind of stuff right so so it, it just so happens that cannabis has a fair amount of all of these compounds and and when I say fair amount I'm not just saying oh a little here it, it's 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 a nice to have thing I mean we're looking at some of these compounds and and they're like in quantities that would be disruptive to already existing pipelines right like we're, we're looking at flavonoids where we there we have some varieties that make some very commercially important flavonoids and I'm looking at at what our plants are making and I'm like wow that's actually, better than where they're getting these flavonoids right now in their in their existing pipelines so i I, we're at the point where we're looking at cannabis is like wow there's we still don't even know what we can get out of this plant completely it's it's really still a huge blank slate and and that's what's fascinating about it right so you know um and and then some of the genes that are related to cannabinoid production right so they're they come from a family of genes that are also involved in other plants and opioid production so it's ironic that you know when we start to look for these uh larger classes of cannabinoid genes we start to find things that look like op- opioid production genes right so so what does that mean about the cannabis chemistry are there still compounds that we still have no clue exist because we haven't looked for them
2: well, I think there's a lot of potential, and again, I think you've hit a lot of key points. I think researching this can, is going to continue. That's one of my personal passions. I've done some preliminary research on the focus on the flavonoids and micronutrients versus looking at the phytocannabinoids and terpenoids, which I think there's a lot of focus on attention at already. So I agree with you. I'm already looking at these other components, these other... Uh, compounds or categories of compounds that are found in this plant and I, you know, from a, from a medicinal or functional or nutritional benefit, you know, that also, as I look at the same way you do is like, how can we take this and apply this to a product or some other functional use? So I think that's great. One of the things I'm always interested in is the timing of, of plant development, you know, when do certain compounds actually appear, you know, in the timing and the growth schedule of the plant. And that's something that I'm looking to study further over in my personal research journey. Um, And with that comment, we have all these compounds that are naturally occurring. What is your take on what's popping up lately, these new synthesized uh, cannabinoids that are becoming, you know, that are not necessarily originally found or naturally found, but they're modified or manipulated synthetically by man. How does that relate, in the sense of cannabinoid research, compared to what the plant naturally provides or, or develops?
0: That's a that's a great uh, question, and and I'm 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 a little on the fence about that, right? So so as a plant guy, right? I believe that you know we can probably find everything we need naturally in the plant, you know, with a little work, uh, or we can breed for you know unique combinations of, of the compounds, right? So, um, but also, right? there's also a lot of biochemistry involved right so when you do something enzymatically in a plant or in a cell right so generally you have you you remove the randomness of chemical synthesis right so when you synthesize something chemically in a test tube right or in, a, in your your fermenter right so if, if you're doing a chemical synthesis that's not that's not enzymatically based you end up with a left-handed and a right-handed version of the molecule right so you get these what's called the racemic mixture you generally don't see that you you don't see that in a plant derived chemical right so the plant makes it a specific way it's usually r version or l version and it's and, and there's not a mixture right and that's because that version does something the plant needs and the other one doesn't and it's optimized for that so i think what we when we do a lot of this chemical synthesis we're 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 starting from scratch. We're, we're doing all of the stuff that the plant's already done for us over millions of years, right? Um, and, and so now we have to go back and figure out, okay, well, what do these things do? What are they good for? And are there any side effects, right? So um, the, the, the racemic mixtures, the two compounds don't always play the same in, in a receptor right so you can actually have and we actually see this with some terpenes right so there there are some terpenes that have an L and an r version right yep. and and those will have distinct properties on the on the effect right like they will cause distinctly different properties right and so you know so for us to blindly go and say oh let's throw a let's throw a methyl group on this thing here and see what happens while well, we're taking you know chemistry that's been optimized for biological use and throwing it away and and doing other things now does that mean that we can't find something good absolutely not i'm sure we can find very many things that are you know like when we took penicillin and we messed around with penicillin we made it better right so i'm sure we with some time we can do that but there's a big risk right so when and and there's also a risk of not having an entourage effect and i think that's the biggest risk that that's what worries me the most right because (laughs) the entourage effect is what mediates and kind of distributes the effect, right? So, so, you know, you have all these terpenes that help prepare your body and help, you know, you know, set the system up for the cannabinoids. Right. Um, And, and when you don't have those and you take the cannabinoid itself, you don't know if it works the right way. In fact, we have some evidence of this, right. And yes. and I and I and I like to start the conversation for this about by saying, hey, what's the only drug you know that had a that that never crossed over into recreational use? And that's marinol, right? Think about it, right? Yeah. Trenabinol. Yeah. It yeah. never it never went black market like Quaaludes, cocaine, anything else. And the reason why is because THC by itself with nothing else is a very empty experience and it causes dysphoria in high levels, right? Nobody wants that. Exactly. But yet with the entourage effect, we don't see that. Right? Some people get paranoid, yes. Okay. Right. But but by and large, the entourage effects keeps us having a pleasant experience and, and a pleasant interaction, right? People who take dronabinol and marinol do not like the experience. Oh, no. I've seen, first became... hand. Yeah, I've seen right? it firsthand.
2: Yeah. seen it firsthand for sure. Right
0: and that's why nobody that's why it never crossed into the black market. So, we have we have some evidence, right, already that maybe this is not the best approach and that maybe cannabis should be a full spectrum medicine, right? Or at least a mostly full spectrum, right, yes. as opposed to isolated isolated compounds given in pill form with with no with no quote unquote carrier to help fix the system.
2: I'm with you on that, and that's and again, as I'm in the process right now of doing some formulation of some new products for the marketplace. That's a challenge. Is do we formulate by bringing the individual compounds and building up that way, or do we take the full spectrum the way we get it from the plant and get a consistent source that's going to have the same genetics consistently growing and extracting? These are, I think, they're both opportunities. I think there's you know there's a there's a uh, an opportunity for both. In the marketplace, and, and one of the things I just want to mention is, is with that synthesized, uh, you know, manipulation. The only concern I have is the marketing get ahead, getting ahead of the science. You know, oh, yeah, and we, we, that's what we're seeing a lot in the cannabis industry is they're marketing the hottest next new thing, the hottest next new cannabinoid, and they're not really understanding the long term implications or the scalability or the even cost effects. So I love it. I love what you're saying. We're going to take one more quick break. We're going to come back after this message. We're going to wrap up with Dr. Guadino and from Front Range Biosciences. I'm enjoying this. We're going to have you back on. So don't go anywhere. This is a doc rob your concierge for better living here at CanvasRadio.com.
1: the concierge for better living will continue in a moment hey take a look at this they're selling smart pots (laughs) they have pot that can make you smart where is it not that kind of pot smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants check this out Let's check back in with Doc Robb and the concierge for Better Living, only on CannabisRadio.com.
2: All right, all right, all right. And we are back with our final segment today with Dr. Reggie from Front Range Biosciences. And I'm enjoying this conversation, Doc, so much because, again, there's a way to be a plant person and still be a scientist. And I think that that's a bridge that... A lot of people are having issues. The old school just growers out there that didn't really put any science in just through practice and experience. They've made some amazing plants and some amazing end products. And then you have science who sometimes don't doesn't have an appreciation for the plant. I've been to some of the biggest cannabinoid research, uh, you know, symposiums. And majority of the researchers there don't have a connection to the plant. They just look at it as a widget that they're that they're analyzing. So there has to be that, that middle ground. That's, I think, why we both sit on the fence there, as you put it, with regards to how this industry and how these compounds are going to be uh, utilized going forward. Give yeah. us, as we're running out of time, and we're definitely going to have you back, because there's a lot more on this I want to talk to you about. But give us a little bit of that insight to where what you're focused on right now with Front Range, and where you see things going, and how you guys are operating, uh, so that our listeners really understand what Front Front Range is all about and what you're doing. So,
0: um, my, my goal as the director of R and D is is to produce products that that a farmer will choose first, and 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 that's an important consideration, right? So, so a lot of people can put a plant together and say this plant will give you this, right? Sometimes those plants require a lot of work because they're not acclimatized for that for that area, um, because you know they they themselves have special needs. Because I'll tell you what, a lot of cannabis that we find very interesting probably would not survive in the wild, right? So you look at something like Girl Scout cookies, right? Girl Scout cookies is a difficult plant to grow. Um, it's a phenomenal plant, but chances are, it would not have survived in the wild. Right. So, so what we have done is we've created a lot of these plants that are very specialized. Right. Um, and so I'm trying to take the approach where a successful farmer is somebody who has to do the least amount of work to get his crop out of the field. And so what we've done a lot of work on is looking at, you know, How how the plant survives in different environments. Last year we did 23 different uh, field trial locations around the United States and Hawaii, Um, and so we're you know and 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 we're talking about you know putting you know a number like I think we had 35 or 40 different varieties at each of the sites last year so so we're looking to really find the correct combination of genetics that will make the plant do the best it can with the least amount of work for the farmer right so and and i think that is at least in my opinion the the road to success right because if you can produce something that somebody can make a make more of a margin on do less work on it's going to be easier for him to produce quality product i think that's that's going to be the differentiator right so we're looking to put the right combination of, of, of cannabinoids into the right genetic background so that we can have a wide swath of genetics that will do this give people the opportunity all over the united states to grow the same compounds for their local market right so and, I, and, and we do that both on the cannabis and the hemp side since since we have you know operations in california that are cannabis based and in colorado that are hemp based so um mm-hmm. so that that's kind of my philosophy you know i i don't, I don't know if that's necessarily everybody's philosophy but, but but since we are customer focused since we are trying to produce seed for sale and 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 and, ver- and new varieties that do the things that people want them to do if i'm not giving somebody a plant that will be successful in their yard i have failed as as a producer so
2: that's how i look at it I love it. And I appreciate that insight because that's important. It's, this is ai have seen too many farmers struggle, too many uh, crops fail. Uh, unfortunately, many of them are sold, just literally sold the wrong seed um, for their climate or their environment or their purpose or their goals. So I think that's a really great service you guys are doing, I think, with having you on board. And I know we're running out of time, but you didn't just start at Front Range. You come with a, a plethora of experience and success in this area already, and we're you know kind of brought into the front range team. So, I just want people to understand that that's something that they identified you as talent, and um, you know. Again, bringing that talent to this opportunity and this operation is great. I have some projects that I definitely know need some good seed and some advisement. So we're definitely going to stay in touch. I really appreciate you taking the time, Doc, today, sharing some insight, and we'll definitely have you back on. I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation, both online and off.
0: Thank you very much. It was great talking to you. Great to meet you finally. I've uh, been a fan, and, and uh, it's, it's um, you know, I'd be happy to come back.
2: Wonderful. It my pleasure. So with that, I'm going to say thank you to everyone at Cannabis Radio. Thank you for everyone that tunes in. Thank you for all you people sharing these uh, great uh, stories and events and, and recordings. They're all part of the a greater picture of where we're emerging towards better health and lifestyle. And with that, I wish everyone, as always, all the best in health and happiness. Take care and be well.